Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Good morning, Genesis. Before we look at our gospel text this morning, I wanted to offer space again in our liturgy for lament. We've seen so much happening in our world as it erupts in calls to justice, in protests, in violent responses to those protests, and lament creates space for our pain to breathe a bit. We name it, we're honest about it, and we bring to God our feelings and our frustrations Sometimes healing can begin simply in the act of naming, even when things aren't immediately better or different. This week, Soon Chan Ra said, we lament because it is the response of God's people to the reality of suffering in the world. So let's take a few moments and consider the pain that you are experiencing or that you are witnessing. Where are the broken places in our world? What words can we lift up to God in lament today. So feel free to write your words of lament in the comment section on the watch party. What have we to grieve this morning? We cry out to God our words of lament. And as we do that, I'll finish up our moment of lament with a poem by Caitlin Curtis in her book, Glory Happening. Jesus, forever friend, a world of pain surrounds us, open wounds and raised scars, shortness of breath. Children cannot be children and parents lose their steps and we all fall, fall, fall. Death takes our heartbeats and flings open the floodgates of we should have and I never forgave. We are paralyzed in the kneeling position because nothing else makes sense and words can't even fail because there weren't any in the first place. Our grief is a blanket around us and we cannot uncloak ourselves. We mock each other's grief and lose ourselves in our wildernesses and we are undone. Humanity beckons for you. Lean near. Lean nearer and hear with the deepest part of your love. Answer us with the presence of your flesh as tangibly as you can hold us. With air and space and spirit and shalom, we light the candles and the flames throw themselves in our hearts and we sit in holy remembrance of all that's been, in holy hope of all that will be. We ache. Relieve us, we pray. Amen. The Gospel reading from Matthew, 
28, verses 16 through 20. This is from the voice translation. The eleven disciples, having spoken to the Marys, headed to Galilee, to the mountain where they were to meet Jesus. When the disciples saw Jesus there, many of them fell down and worshipped as Mary and the other Mary had done, but a few hung back. They weren't sure. And who can blame them? And so Jesus came forward and he addressed his beloved disciples. And he said, I am here speaking with all authority of God who has commanded me to give you this commission. Go out and make disciples in all the nations. Ceremonially wash them through baptism in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then disciple them, form them in the practices and postures that I've taught you and show them, show them how to follow the commands, the commands that I've laid down for you. And I will be with you day after day to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We turn now to our gospel text in Matthew 28, 16 through 20 on this Trinity Sunday. This is the first sermon I have done pre-recorded like this. The first one I've done sitting down, so I'm going to work real hard not to like get real aggressive in your face like this or do too much weird hand stuff. We'll see. We're in this together, right? Last week, we started ordinary time in the liturgical church calendar. And during this time of the, the church year, we celebrate God working through us as we exhibit Christ's life to the world, as we embody God's love to all. And this is where we find ourselves today, turning to the book of Matthew and the Great Commission. The disciples are told by the Marys to go and meet Jesus in Galilee. And there is such symmetry in them receiving Jesus's words in the place where he began his ministry. Symbolically, the disciples are called to go out on mission, but they also have to stay rooted in the story and in the land where their own journey with Jesus began. Eleven disciples return home to meet Jesus because they were directed to by the women after they met Jesus. Eleven. We're accustomed, of course, in Matthew to reading about the twelve disciples. Judas is missing from this gathering, and it's that simple reminder of brokenness and betrayal and failure that happens even to those closest to Jesus. The disciples head out to meet Jesus. They see him and many worship, but some doubt. Many English translations of verse 28, 17 leave the impression that the disciples included some worshipers and some doubters. But the Greek word distazo may also be translated, and perhaps in a more natural way, to suggest that the whole group of disciples both worship and doubt. The Greek word carries with it this sense of standing in two places at the same time, or being of two minds. Jesus commands imperfect disciples who both worship and doubt. Did they doubt Jesus? Did they worry about him leaving them again? Did they wonder if they'd been duped or if they misunderstood his words? What feels poignant for me is that both expressions are represented and Jesus goes to them. Jesus meets them where they're at without rebuke and without admonishment. Worship and doubt are not mutually exclusive. These are imperfect people tasked with this God-sized endeavor 
to carry on the transformative work of Jesus to the world. And these are the people who both worship and doubt. Jesus gives the disciples some marching orders here in Matthew, a mission of welcome, which is rooted in divine authority, and it's communicated through relationship and undertaken with the presence of Jesus. God's always been a God of mission. Israel learns in Exodus 12 that God's on a mission. It continues into Matthew and beyond. And in, in this particular passage, we see a uniqueness in the commissioning by Jesus. In Matthew 10.1 and 10.7, we see the disciples getting sent out and they're performing miracles on their own. But in this final statement, Jesus seems to open up their responsibilities. So suddenly they're including a wider and more diverse audience. And this new commission includes teaching, which is something that Jesus had been the only one to do up till now. Jesus' words are to go out and make disciples everywhere, anywhere. They're to perform the ritual of baptism because in God's economy, we all have a vocation. These are words of action. And at one point in my own journey, I lived out a very imperialistic approach to go and make. I was part of God's army, advancing the kingdom by getting people saved. And I had a particular image in mind. It was me in this very Indiana Jones-like missionary gig where I held the Bible in one hand, not unlike a particular image we saw on the news earlier this week, and likely a machete in the other, you know, to kill poisonous snakes. And I was riding off in a dusty Jeep to the soundtrack of Stephen Curtis Chapman's The Great Adventure. And I was winning people for Jesus. My approach was not, not super successful. So I want to invite us to consider that the go is directional. The go and make is directional in the sense of leaving comfort and leaving certainty no matter where we are. And let's consider make, not as that imperialistic approach where you're going to force Jesus on other people. Those are some big hands there, sorry. But let's see make as creative. Creative as in the very nature of God that we see in Genesis 1. Creative in opening up space, in building up, in forming, and in reforming one another. And let's consider baptism not as this box that we check off on our spiritual God card, but instead as a beginning act of welcome, joining a wild and wonderful gathering of the children of God. Jesus speaks of what we have come to understand as the Trinity here in Matthew. And we're not going to do a deep dive into Trinitarian theology. Sorry to disappoint you. But Matthew Skinner, from um, one of my profs from Luther Seminary, says the idea of God as triune doesn't owe itself to ancient saints and scholars batting around a bunch of Greek words from the comfort of their writing desks and their libraries. Instead, it originates itself in human experience. It came and it still comes from the lived encounters with a God who shows up in, among, and always, always for the sake of all human bodies. We know God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because we, like the disciples, can experience that relational nature of the creator of the world. And the words of Jesus to make disciples, to teach, directly relates to that act of discipleship. Think, think of the very best teachers that you know. What makes them special or what made them special? I know we've got some great teachers here in our Genesis community. 
My friend Jackie teaches fourth grade in St. Paul, and this woman is all in when it comes to her students. She cultivates deep and meaningful relationships, not only with the kids, but with their families. She resources them. She's creative with her approach. She invites curiosity. She grieves when they hurt. She works hard on her own stuff in order to be the best teacher they could have. She models boundaries and service, and her home is a refuge for so many. I'm in awe of people like Jackie and in good teachers and lessons that I've learned from them. Let's do an all play here, which at Genesis means that we hear from the voice of the chorus because that is just as valuable as the voice of the one as we engage with scripture. So I know it's a little different now that we're online, but um, if you could use the comment section um, for our all play, that would be awesome. And I wish I could read your comments, but um, I'll be there live interacting with them as we go. So first all play to all of you. What have we learned from the life and words of Jesus that we want to share with the world? I love the translation here that we used from the voice that uses the idea of practices and postures. What are those practices and postures that we want to embody to others? Again, use the comment section on the watch party to share your answers. Okay, we're back. So hopefully someone responded. Here are a few that stand out to me. That we would love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. That we would be a servant. That we would care for the widows and the orphans and that we would spread God's love to people who we don't think deserve it. And I also don't think that our outpouring of Christ's love in the world or our discipling can be separated from the call to justice. And specifically today, for those who are of us who are white, we have to actively, actively divest ourselves of white supremacy as part of what it means to follow Jesus. This is hard and sometimes confusing work, but it's work that we owe to people who have been marginalized and separated and murdered for hundreds, thousands of years. It's hard. And it's hard for us when entire systems are built to ensure that we don't have to do that work. I wanna offer a thought to us here. I believe as the church, we need to see discipleship as reciprocal. We need to see the action of go and make as one in which we also receive. I know I'm moving outside of the text a little bit here, but when we talk about the manifestation of God's love, I think we run the risk of being paternalistic if we think it's just about us going to teach, to share, to change people's lives. And there's deep humility that we need to bring to bear if we wanna be disciples and make disciples because we're formed and reformed in and through relationships, in the voices we allow to take up our mental real estate and in the words and the media we consume. So here's our second all play. Who are you being formed and reformed by? What voices and relationships are shaping your life with God? Who are those folks that God is using to teach you more about divine mystery of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Let's share together as an all play. Again, I hope some people responded. I also love with all plays the chance to essentially crowdsource 
ideas and to talk with one another about how we are seeing God at work in scripture and in our lives and in each other's lives. Love it. So a few years ago, I changed the folks I follow on Twitter. And I know it may sound trivial or kind of weird to talk about discipleship and Twitter feeds. I'm not sure what I'm doing with my hand right here. Um, especially as it comes to actual relationships. But that shift has allowed me to make space for black and brown and indigenous voices, for LGBTQIA stories, for immigrant concerns and other voices that are not often centered in my own white experience. People like Austin Channing Brown, Emmy Kegler, Andre Henry, Jeff Chu, they expand and enliven my understanding of God and how God works in the world. And I'm discipled by so many of you, especially these last 10 days. I've been discipled and I've taught, I've been taught more about who Jesus is and how he moves in Nate's passion for justice and his posture for listening in Leah's vulnerability to share witness of her own family's deep hurt in Izzy's words and her desire to use her voice, no matter her age to speak against violence for the ways I've seen Steve and Becca and Betsy and their ability to be real peacemakers, even in things like comment threads. And for Rebecca's words of wisdom in staff meetings, simple acts that we do in relationship with one another, that we undertake as a community, those things teach me. And hopefully they teach all of us about the nature of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that moves among us. For a moment, let's Let's employ a bit of theological imagination here. It's one of my favorite things to do with scripture, to look at the spaces between the words and to imagine what's happening kind of behind the story. Let's imagine what's going on for these disciples. They've had a whirlwind in their journey. They've left what's familiar. They started following this guy who said, come and follow me, so they did. They saw miracles, they asked a lot of questions. They got a lot of answers they didn't understand at all. They saw their teacher murdered by religious leaders and the state. They thought he was dead, found out he was resurrected, and now they're meeting him and he's giving them these big instructions saying, now it's your turn to go and do this. Overwhelming, I am certain. And perhaps the only piece of comfort they can take are Jesus's final words in this great commission. I will be with you day after day to the end of the age and as Jesus commissions the disciples, he tells them they're not alone. And in living out the Great Commission, we can take that example of Jesus and put it in our, into our own discipleship practices. Guys, we've got to show up in whatever capacity we can. And I know that that is hard and strange, especially in times of a pandemic. And I see us getting creative in how we can show up for one another because we are to walk alongside one another as the practical, physical manifestation of Jesus. We do none of this alone. And it's good. It's good that we have God with us as we venture forth into public spheres because we're gonna get this wrong. We're gonna make attempts at living a life of faith and we're gonna make a big mess. We're gonna be an obstacle. We're gonna say all the wrong things. We're gonna have to say we're sorry a lot. We're going to be anything but Christ-like sometimes. And yet there is grace in the going. Because Jesus sent his imperfect, fractured group of disciples 
and he entrusted them with this task. He knew they needed a companion for the journey, and once again, he offers himself up for the sake of human bodies. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit move in and through and ahead of these disciples. The ones who worshipped and doubted and moved beyond themselves to share the transformative love of God. God's on the move. God's working in our midst. Can you feel it? Can you see it? I find myself like the early disciples wavering between worship and doubt. Doubt that this world and the calamities and the chaos we face will ever be better. Doubt that justice will ever roll down like a mighty river. And there are other moments when I am in equal measure convinced that we are standing on the edge of a mountain like those disciples and we are witnessing actual strongholds being torn down in our midst. Actual pieces of Confederate pride being torn down. There are things we're seeing in this, in this time, moment by moment, since George Floyd died, that I would never have imagined five years ago. And yet there is still this immense uphill battle, certainly that some folks have been fighting for hundreds of years. Will things be better this side of the kingdom? I doubt and I worship. I am ready to learn and I am ready to teach. I am grieved and I am hope-filled that the very God who spoke the universe into existence is the one who keeps watch with us, is the one who gives us the courage to go and who gives us an example of love to follow as we encounter the rest of the world each day. Amen. Time again throughout the age. Endings are a place where life is Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elon Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.